Blow the horn, let's go. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a surplus stick play so far. Everything with an attitude. Got a balance. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Young and play against and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, I'm glad we're not the Tennessee Podcast or the Auburn Podcast. Doing a show after a loss really sucks, and I'd hate to think that we'd have to get used to it. Man, that is for sure. And we are are very fortunate to say that you and I have witnessed five – uh, victories in our lifetime uh, to go with the 16 overall. And so as I was uh, leaving Tampa and I saw some exuberant Clemson fans, I was thinking, you know, it's been 35 years since you got here to get number two, and we're sitting at 16. So I'd still rather be our fan base than your fan base. Yeah, and, you know, and I take nothing away from them and, and um, the opportunity that they had and, and the performance that they put out on the field. But, uh, it's just frustrating to think that we were right there, uh, you know, competing for another one. And, and you know, not to not to go sort of Pollyannish, but, you know, actually to put another spin on it, you know, this was 10th, uh, Saban's 10th season, season in Alabama, and we've entered the month of November nine times with a chance to win the title. And uh, certainly we've won a number of them, and, 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 you know, this is the first time we've actually made it to – um, the championship game, but uh, you know, out of the th- last three playoffs, we've lost in the first round. We've won it, and we <laughs> we've lost in the in the championship. So, you know, well, the uh, the championship sort of playoff is is littered with Alabama, right? No, it is. And and think about the quarterbacks. You know, this reminds me a lot of the Ohio State semifinal game. You know, when when Landon Collins came out of the game, and uh, Reuben Foster comes out of the game. And um, or Reggie Ragland comes out of the game, excuse yep. me. And um, you know we bring in a young uh, Sean Dion Hamilton who gets picked on a play by the slot receiver. They break a big run when we had kind of gained momentum uh, to kind of go up two scores. And it was we were close, but you know, you know, obviously in that game we had made some bad plays and we had you know we we deserved to lose the game, but we got so close and. You know, I saw a stat that ESPN put out that I that I shared with you that, you know, ninety-seven times in Saban's ten years as a coach, Alabama had gone into the fourth quarter up by double digits. And of those ninety-seven times, they were ninety-seven and zero. Yep. And so, you know, guys, we are witnessing here the first time in ninety-eight ball games that we were not able to close the deal. Uh, when we go into the fourth quarter up by 10 points. And, and man, that's got to be the story of our podcast tonight for the listeners. And, um, you know, and I know you and I have had a chance to talk about this a little bit, but we can't hang this game on the defense. There's a couple things I'd like to kind of pick apart there, but um, I, I squarely hang this on um, a combination of offensive play calling, uh, execution by those players, um, I, you know, I, I hold the whole offensive coaching staff, um, the players on offense and the coach and coach Saban ultimately, cause he's, you know, it all, the buck stops yeah. with him. Um, 
this is not on the defense, dude. This is squarely on the offense for not sealing the deal. Well, walk walk us through that. Let's kick kick us off on offense. What are one of the some of the some of the main things that jumped out at you? Well, you know, first and foremost, um, you and I were surprised Bo Scarborough started the game. Um, he's had a couple good games. Uh, we talked about his coming out party against Washington. But Damian Harris in that Washington game went over 1,000 yards, and he's a very capable back at 5'10", 214 pounds. He's got Emmett Smith's physique, um, a very effective runner. And so, Dave, man, all season long, all Saban career long, he likes to take the air out of the ball. And so the first thing I want to talk about tonight is when Clemson scores to start the fourth quarter or to end the third quarter, they had run their 89th play. In last year's national championship game, they ran 90 plays. You and I talked in our podcast when uh, Johnny Manziel came to town and beat Alabama that we had had the overtime game against LSU when we had run all those plays and our defense was tired. Well, man, these coaches look at everything. They, they, have, a, they have a staff of 40 people. They know last year Clemson ran 90 plays. They know that that this guy is probably the most dynamic guy since Cam Newton. And so I said on this podcast a week ago that we have got to control the time of possession. We have got to limit their touches. We've got to not let them have the ball the way we did against Ole Miss. Ole Miss had the ball for 20-something minutes, and they still put up 40 points. Why? Because they're a similar type of tempo offense, right? That's why Ole Miss's quarterback beat us twice in his time at Ole Miss. And so, Dave, when they scored to make it a three-point game to start the fourth quarter, and they pooched the ball to us, and we started the 30-yard line, and the first play from scrimmage, Damian Harris runs for 12 yards, and we blow them off the ball. They're on skates. We are. They're two studs on defensive line. Cam Robinson and Ross um, Piercebacher took them man on man and just took them out of the play. What do we do after that? We abandon the run completely. Dude, what does Alabama do? They take out of the ball in the fourth quarter and they don't give the ball back. We didn't do that, dude. We did not play Alabama football in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think there's a couple of factors there, right? I mean, you talked about Bo starting. We were a little bit surprised by that because he has historically, uh, you know, and I say historically, you know, over the course of the season, been a little bit of a slow starter. Get the action going uh, and and then put him out uh, into the game. So we were a little bit surprised that he started the game uh, rather than Damien. But I think that was telling. I think with the day, and we called it his coming out party against Washington, I think that was the weapon. That was the key to the offensive game plan in my mind. Uh, had he not gone down with an injury and it's a broken leg and hopefully uh, non-surgical that he's going to repair, uh, that he's going to heal and, and return in, in sort of full form. But I think he was the linchpin of the offensive game plan. And and the coaches and the play calling, they were left sort of searching when he wasn't there. I think, and and look, this is my opinion. I'm not trying to win any awards or, or you know, be, you know, a bitter, you know, sort of bittersweet in, in, the, in the loss. But 
we win the game. Alabama wins the game if Bo doesn't get hurt. If he remains healthy through the through the duration of the game, and instead of 16 carries, he has 26 carries, Alabama wins the game. They don't have an answer. Their defense does not have an answer for Bo Scarborough. And if you don't have an answer for him early, guess what? You're not going to have an answer for him late when he really gets a full head of steam and, and the defense is tired. That doesn't that doesn't mean that we couldn't have run with Damien and with Jacobs. It just it just means that I think. And look, we've seen themes right from the coaching staff. They overreact in one direction, and so when Bo is gone, they over they overreact in another direction. Now we've got a our, our linchpin isn't there. Now we've got to go to the pass as opposed to next man up. We're still going to run the ball, and I think that we, you know we could have run Damien. We could have run uh, Jacobs. You know, we've got some talented backups, you know, with with Derek Gore and, and others. I mean, we could have continued to run the ball. Um, and, and you know, we're netting out, I think, saying the same thing, just coming at it a little bit differently. But, uh, you know, had Bo not gone down, Alabama wins the game. Uh, had we continued to run the ball, Alabama wins the game. Yes, and <laughs> – the overreaction was just so not necessary, man. I mean, we, we can't spend enough time talking about there's, – there's plenty of time that we need to talk about this because this is on the coaching staff, okay? Because you know Bo Scarborough has been effective in the last two weeks. You know he has not been effective before that. Right. I'm looking at the stat line right now. Jalen Hurts had 10 carries. One was an important 30 yards for a touchdown. He finished with 68 yards on 10 carries, an average of 6.3. I'm totally good with that. That's in my 7 to 10 window. But Damian Harris had five carries. Right. Dave, his longest carry was 13 yards. Josh Jacobs, it gets worse. Get ready to throw up. Josh Jacobs had two carries on the night. His longest carry was 13 yards. So to your point, how many teams in America could have – there are two backups with their long carry of the night, each being so significant, 13 yards. And for the listeners who already know this, Damian Harris was the number one running back in the nation coming out of high school out of Kentucky. The boys got cred. The boy is a good player. And so we have the embarrassment of riches. And so I don't see how in the world – that you abandon the run when Alabama football is to take the air out of the ball. You've got a quarterback who has no confidence whatsoever, okay? Um, in the fourth quarter, they called some screen plays, and he didn't execute because he hesitated. Then what was even worse when they got the ball to start the fourth quarter you have third and four. You're at the 40. Oh, let me back up. So the first drive of the fourth quarter, you 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 have the great run from Damian, and then you call some crappy plays and you punt the ball. The defense, who's tired as crap, comes back on the field and stops them and gets you the ball back at your 40-yard line. You now have the ball with nine minutes left in the game. You're still up by three. It's third and four. Okay, you don't – there was a – for whatever reason, we called a screen pass to Josh Jacobs. He was wide open in the flats. 
Damian Harris, excuse me, Jalen Hurts hesitates, doesn't throw him the ball. He then floats out of the pocket. No presence of knowing someone's running at him. Dave, you and I watched the same game. He's sitting there at the at the line of scrimmage at the last second, and he runs out of bounds. It's third and four at the 46-yard line with nine minutes left in the game. You have to have the presence of mind if you are truly the quarterback for this football team to either run for the first down for four yards, get the ball where it needs to be, right? You, I mean, it's not like you're at the 10. You get a first down. If he had just scrambled right there, because he should have done the play, but if he had just scrambled, even Kirk Herbstreit is like, oh, man, if he had just ran, he'd have had it easily. Dude, I don't know what he's thinking to run out of bounce there and, and stop the clock, and we punt the ball back to them. Right. Dude, had he got a first down, we're at the 50-yard line with now eight minutes left in the game, and even then the game's over, David. Even then the game's over because you run two or three more minutes off the clock. Right. Yeah, potentially so. Potentially it just so. it was poor clock management, poor, poor play calling, poor execution. I mean, they finished with 99 plays in the game. So you give the best player in college football 99 times to run plays, that's your own damn fault. Yeah, you know, the, the tide was two of 15 on third downs, which that's that's a losing stat, you know, altogether. You know, you spoke to their 99 plays. Uh, Alabama possessed the ball only only just over 25 minutes. Uh, and then, you know, still managed to gain 376 yards, but, you know, not nearly enough. Uh, we, we certainly should have possessed the ball. Uh, you know, again, these, these little things add up, right, if Bo's there or if we run the ball. Uh, time of possession gets up uh, to a little more even. Maybe we get to 31 minutes. Uh, That's all you needed, right? That's yeah. All you, needed, and, man. you know, you get you get the yardage up to about 450, uh, which is, you know, which is still a nice number. But, you know, you get 50, 70 more yards to the total. And, and, and you know, literally, figuratively, the tide turns uh, in the direction that, uh, you know, that we needed to. You know, the run pass option was, was 34, 32. Uh, you mentioned Jalen's 10, 10 carries. Very few of them were actually designed runs. So there were a lot of him using his legs to get him uh, get himself out of trouble. And again, we talked about during the game that uh, that that was a good utilization uh, of his skill set. There were just some times where, as cool as he is and as calm as he seems, there were just a couple of times where he seemed to maybe uh, to tense up or lock up and not um, really not maximize the play. And, and you called out a, a, a really good one there. What's something else on uh, offense that you saw? Well, just real quick on Jalen Hurts, not to pick on him, but he's a true freshman, okay? Um, Clemson was not in the title game, um, you know, when Deshaun Watson was a true freshman either. Sure. There were there were times that he would scramble out of the pocket and his offensive line had plenty of protection and he ran himself into a sack. Or or not a sack because he got back to the line of scrimmage, but he ran himself into a a, a you know a, a neutral play. Sure. I mean, like he he just made it so hard on his offensive line. There was no pocket presence. The other thing that really frustrated me is of his thirty-one pass attempts, he only had two pass attempts over fifteen yards. Right. Two over fifteen yards, dude. You got Calvin Ridley, number one player in the nation at his position when he came out to play. 
and you've got our Darius Stewart, who we've spoke on this podcast many, many times. Yeah. You utilize our Darius Stewart for two catches for 12 yards. Whoopty freaking do. And you give it to Calvin Ridley five times for only 36 yards. You know, there's another point. We were sitting there at the start of the fourth quarter on one of these great play calls. He steps back to pass to Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley runs a six or seven yard button hook. Calvin Ridley is being covered, oh, by the way, by Mr. Tankersley, who is going to be a first-round draft pick at cornerback. So he is playing against their best secondary person because, oh, by the way, they lost all three of the other uh, people to the pros. And what does he do? He just sits there, looks straight at uh, Ridley, telegraphs the pass, throws the pass too late. Tankersley just runs up there and knocks the ball away. My point is, on the other side of the formation, he has got um, a tight end in the slot. That tight end is being covered by a linebacker. He is completely open for a first down. He doesn't even throw his way. You see what I'm saying? Like, like I'm going to tell you that I think Jalen Hurts, you talked about his regression. I'm going to tell you that I think his confidence is shot. I'm not saying it can't come back. It obviously can. But something has happened to him in the past few weeks. What we saw from his performance was, with the exception of not having the design runs, this was the Washington game all over again. The only difference is in the Washington game, we threw the ball to the wide receivers a little bit. Excuse me, we didn't. Here we at least threw it to them a couple times. Mm -hmm. But you don't take a talent. Dave, they had two safeties go to the pros. They had McKenzie Alexander, their other cornerback, go to the pros. They lost eight guys on defense. Their defense isn't all that. They, they even said in the telecast that Clemson ranked number five in the nation with the number of holding and pass interference calls that they received during the football season. So I find it so funny that we get some pass interference calls when we flip the field and we'll talk about it. But why can't we just have these guys go down the field against three new secondary players with the talent of Ridley and OJ Howard and Ardarius Stewart and just put the ball up and let them make some damn plays like Clemson did. Why can't we do that against three new secondary players? Well, I think, you know, the answer, I think, you know, it's, it's the lack of development of Jalen and, and, you know, look, I think, I still think that he's going to develop and be, uh, and I think he's been, had a great season. I, I want to be careful about that. I think he's for, for a true freshman, I think he's, he's played really well. I don't think that he's, he's blown his confidence. I think he's, I think he's regressed. And I think, um, you know, we'll get over sort of the, the frustration of, of this loss, but I, I tell you what, a day, a, a day in spring practice is going to be a passing camp. Uh, we're going to get as many reps to him as as we possibly can, and uh, I think I think really advance his his development. I'm still uh, I'm still bullish on what he's going to bring uh, over the next couple of years over the course of his career. I think the jury is still out uh, for me on Jalen Hurts. Um, Jalen Hurts has opened up the quarterback competition to the new incoming recruit from Hawaii. Uh, he must be licking his chops because he's going to get a chance to compete for the job. 
Um, Jalen Hurts has done well in a lot of situations. Jalen Hurts did well in this game in what he does best as far as using his legs on his 10 carries, um, as as far as um, you know, showing some composure, et cetera. But the 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 pork and, and, and let me be clear with the okay, let me finish that thought. As far as pocket presence, going through your progressions, getting the ball out quickly, um, making good crisp decisions with the ball, those things, he's way, way away from where he needs to be. And it's surprising to me that he has gotten as far as he has this year not having all of those things. And it's probably just his pure athleticism of what he brings to the table um, and just the the being a competitor. But like on that third and fourth, that third and four play that I was speaking of where he just ran out of bounds, you know, early in the season, that kid would have dove, right, with his 500-pound squat. He would have just dove and knocked two guys out of the way to get the first down. This guy ran out of bounds. Yeah. And it's like, it doesn't even look, okay, it doesn't look like the same Jalen Hurts to me by any stretch of the imagination that we saw against Tennessee. He's 180 degrees. It's not even in the same hemisphere. He's a totally different football player than Tennessee. Yeah, I I agree with that. And, and I, I agree also, look, I'm going to say two different things and, and both can be true. I think he is going to improve. I think we're going to see uh, in a day. And as we get into fall camp and next season, we're going to see him take that next step. I also think uh, I agree with you that two of the the true freshmen that's come in and start camp uh, are, are, you know, joined uh, the team this semester and he's going to be available for spring. I think he, I think there will be an open competition. So I think both things are true. I think they're gonna they're gonna feed off uh, one another. The two young guys. I think Jalen is gonna be sort of the presunto starter. I don't think it's gonna be a full open competition necessarily. Uh, you want to have some competition, uh, some competition. You want also want to have some separation. But um, I think there'll be some some open competition, and I think that will uh, you know I think that will inspire him. I think that'll motivate him. And so you know I look forward to uh, you know seeing how he's progressed. Uh, come a day so you know it like you said jury's still out uh and and we'll see how that plays out anything else anything else on offense jump out at you or you want to hit up a mini game ball you know i am going to just quickly say to you that with what happened with blake barnett leaving which was his choice i do think during the season that the coaches should have given the backup player the opportunity to compete by playing some in these ball games, and I think that might have would have pushed Jalen, and it might have would have helped Jalen because what you just said about spring, he he's he's known he's the guy all year, and he's known that it doesn't matter what happened, I'm the guy. You see, what I'm saying I'm yeah. not saying a two quarterback system. I'm just saying it would have been okay to in situations like here at the end of the season, if things aren't going well, pull him off the field, talk to him a little bit, let the other quarterback come in and run a couple series. I'm just saying yeah, I don't think it would have hurt. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's one of those armchair things that 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 sounds good. I 
I, I don't think that that's practical. I don't think that's feasible. You got a true freshman that you're trying to give max reps, uh, max attention, max, uh, uh, you know, sort of confidence building and coaching throughout the season. And so, you know, what do you do? He's known for his poise and going right back out there and playing. So what do you, you know, I, don't, I mean, I don't understand. Do you, you, you effectively bench him? And, no, no, I'm not saying bench him. You just simply pull him out. Um, if things aren't going great, you pull him out and just let the other quarterback or, – or even if things are going okay, like we did before where we'd bring in the backup quarterback and he would do the second or the third series of the game. I think it's okay if a backup quarterback has a series or two in a ball game. I don't think that's a bad thing. Or have the other quarterback come in, you know, in the fourth quarter – you know, and do something. I just – I don't think the backup quarterbacks played enough that – I'm not saying you should look over your shoulder. I'm just saying that there was never any question. And so I think it's probably curbed his development a little bit that there's no hunger. Like, I want him to go into the spring, and I want him to work his tail off to get better because he thinks he's going to lose his job. I think yeah. that's okay. That's not a bad I, thing. I, I don't know how much of that I, I don't know how much of that is is feasible on on this year's team when you got you know Blake Barnett who who you know in a close competition lost the job and then he quits so uh, you know he takes his ball and goes home and so but and, and so you got the you got the third team guy uh, it's you you know if if he's not competing to to be any better than third in in camp then it would be very artificial to sort of position him as as your competition sort of in the season i think that 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 just seems that just just seems too too forced and and then you know you may now look there's blowouts where we could have gotten cooper in a little earlier than we did i i don't i'm not challenging that but when you have a true freshman that needs as as many snaps as he can get as many reps as he can get I don't know that it's worth taking him out to put in someone that we would struggle to win games with if we needed him. And so it's it's pretty much you ride you ride you know you kind of ride with with Jalen or or you're done. I, I don't know that you could force any competition to to really improve that process during the season. I know it sounds good. I just I just, I don't buy it given the the circumstance here. I understand. Um... I will tell you one other thing before we do mini game ball is when our Darius caught that, you know, miraculous pass over, you know, throwing over, you know, uh, against his body and set up that fourth and one on that last touchdown drive they scored and, and Saban was saying, you know, let's go for it. Man, they lined up in their little, you know, uh, three uh, three wide receiver, O.J. Howard formation. Um, it's fourth and one. Clemson knows they're running the ball. And Damian Harris comes in and gets like eight yards on the play. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to point that out real quick because even right there, even right there, you, you you have a chance to sit there. I mean, my point is, is that they knew it was coming and they couldn't and they freaking couldn't stop, stop it. it. And we just we, we ran down their throat for eight yards on fourth and one. Yeah. And so I just I just before we flip the field, I think, you know, <clears throat> I think you called it best when you said that. They think, oh, Bo's out of the game. We we have to totally do something different. And and yeah. I and I and I and I wish I knew whether that was Sarkeesian outthinking himself. Like I wish I would have been on a headset and been able to hear how that went. Mm-hmm. Because 
the the play calling after that was just you know was just subpar. But um, we've seen that we've seen that that overthinking so many times this season. Yes, no, <clears> we have side on, of the ball. on offense on offense and defense. You're correct. Yep. yep. Um, my mini game ball. It, it's you know it's um. I'm not going to give it to Bo because he really can't qualify as a mini game ball. I'd love to give it to Bo. I'm going to give it to Corin Carvin. Um, I thought Corin Carvin had a good game. We've talked about him on podcasts before of having to step in for Alphonse for whatever reason he did. You're now seeing Alphonse on the sideline, you know, during camera shots, et cetera, over the past few games. Uh, Corin Carvin um, should be proud of the way he finished his career at Alabama as a a fifth-year redshirt senior. And there wasn't any plays in this game where I said he got his butt beat and the guy just ran right over him. Um, I thought he played pretty well in this game. I thought it was the best game he had played uh, in his Alabama uniform. Well, Tommy, I just want to pause for a minute and say, well done. You finally got you got the mini ball, the mini game ball right. I'm glad you're happy about that. Well done. Well done. Um, you know, I I probably am going to deviate. Uh, a little bit. I want to go Howard just because, you know, he had 106 yards, and so he must want to line up and play Clemson every week. Uh, but um, That's the only way they get him the ball. <laughs> exactly right. Um, I, I'm going to go, and, uh, you know, this is one of my – he's probably a little outgrown the, the mini game ball, but one of my favorite players who's declared uh, early for the NFL. I'm, I'm giving it to our Darius Stewart. Um, of course he, you are. I, of course I am. You know, he he was just kind of all over the place. He had two catches for 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 twelve yards. That's not gonna you know light anything up. But he had a, a rush for 24, 25 yards, uh, and he also had yeah, a where, pass. Yeah, where for, was that play the rest of the time? Right? Yeah, where was that at? I understand. Uh, and he had a he had a pass actually for twenty four. And so he 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 contrib- and then he also contributed on special teams. And we can talk about that a little bit too. But you know, he he's a guy. Uh, I just like our Darius. Very physical receiver he's willing to do a lot of dirty work he's willing to uh to block and then uh he's athletic enough that uh that he can go out there and do a lot of different things for you and uh he's a guy that I have just really really enjoyed uh watching him play and watching him develop and we've talked about this he's been something of a safety blanket for Jalen um not so much the last couple of weeks, but there was a stretch during the season. Even the, the, to start off the season, he was almost a go-to person for uh, for Jalen. And when Ardarius got hurt and came back, he seemed to have lost some of that. And I don't exactly know why, and we could probably run some metrics and kind of look at all that stuff. But, you know, Ardarius is one of those guys that I said, man, he's probably going to go, but I hope he comes back because he, he, he does something for Jalen. And so uh, I think we're going to miss him probably more than we can anticipate. I think we're going to find ourselves on the podcast next year talking about, you know, we wish Jalen had someone that he could throw the ball up to like an Ardarius Stewart. Uh, I just, you know, so as a nod towards us getting ready to say that next season, uh, I just give him the mini game ball now. No, absolutely, man. I think he could have gone up and got the balls the same way Mike Williams was going up to get those couple balls, right? He could absolutely have done that. All right, flip the field on defense here because I I I um I, I wanted to you know I, I had to lay it on thick on the offensive side. So what do you have on defense? Look, I I think there's a lot of different ways that that you could frame this and you could say this. Uh, I I'm just I'm going to take the the ironic route. Um, all season we've been talking about uh, depth, 
And uh, a little article that I write, I, I have a little section every week called the depth watch. And you and I have talked about, uh, you know, depth, especially on defense. Uh, we've talked about the defensive line and not having a true backup uh, at the nose and sort of manufacturing depth. We've talked about, you know, when hum- uh, Humphrey has gone out, uh, we're either moving Minka and creating some some disbalance on on the offense or bringing in a former walk-on, uh, you know, Levi Wallace. Nothing against him, but there's a drop-off there, five-star to a walk-on. Uh, so we've talked about uh, depth as being something that can potentially bite us all season. <clears throat> and what's been interesting, you know, even though we've lost Eddie Jackson to, to injury, uh, we actually kind of recovered from that. We moved folks around and actually got faster on defense when we brought in uh, Tony Brown, who who more and more sort of, you know, found his way and, uh, and, and played with a lot more comfort. But, but so we didn't have an injury or we didn't have a single sort of, of failure, if you will, due to depth. What we had is a grinded out failure to de- due to depth. Uh, you mentioned the 99 plays. That's as many plays as any team has run uh, against Saban, uh, against Alabama while Saban's, uh, Saban's been here. And uh, there were articles, there were quotes, uh, the de- offensive coordinator for Clemson and the offensive line said we've got to go tempo, you know, late in the game. They scored 21 points in in the fourth quarter. You talk about a, uh, a 10-point deficit. Well, they scored 21 or double-digit deficit. They scored 21 points to, to come back and – and, and win the game. And their offensive line and their offensive coordinator was saying, tempo, tempo, we've got them. And, you know, how many times have we heard our team say that? And it's fun to hear. It, is, it ain't so much fun being on the other side of that. And that is, uh, for me, that's sort of the prologue on, on this defense. As awesome, as talented, as phenomenal as it ha- has been, you know, this defense ran 45 plays against Auburn. You know, it ran 99 plays uh, against um against Clemson. And ultimately it wasn't a thinness at any one position that was exploited, but it was a thinness across the board um, that really just wore out the defense. And so for me, everything that you would, that we would want to say on defense comes from that. It, it spins off of, you know, depth actually did come to get us in the end. No, it did. And we've been talking about this all season. Like you said, we talked about the, the depth at, the middle of our defense, right, at all three levels. And we talked about, you know, the the co-offensive coordinator for Clemson was actually quoted uh, as, you know, actually quoted as saying, you know, something to the effect of, you know, they don't have a lot of depth in their secondary. They must not be comfortable with their twos. They just play their ones. And that was his perspective. And he said we, we were we, – our plan was to rotate – wide receivers from the beginning constantly, he said. And we knew in late in the game, we would start to get some big plays. We would start to wear down those DBs. Well, when you've got Mike Williams, who is projected to be the number one wide receiver to come out, the couple plays that he made, um, our our two corners – gave everything they could to knock the ball away, um, and they just were not able to, and he was able to high point the ball, and he's got a height advantage on them, and he was able to exploit that, and they did not get their big plays. I mean, Marlon Humphrey is, you know, six foot one, and Mike Williams is six foot four, 
and you know poor uh, Anthony Averett six foot. So one's giving up three inches, one's giving up four inches, and he high pointed a couple balls, and you know there was nothing they could do about it. Well, like you said, they had been running chasing wide receivers around the whole game. Well, if you look at the depth on this team, um, last year everybody talked about we had 12 guys on the front line, right? They talked about we could run 12 guys up front. Mm-hmm. Well, we only ran five guys in this game um, on defense backups. We had Anthony Jennings. We had Deshaun Han. We had Josh Frazier a tiny bit. We had Hootie Jones when we did the dime. And then um, and then we had uh, Tim Williams considers not a non-starter in this game. Right. And so those were your five guys. And so there, there's what you're talking about in a nutshell. Because last year we had all of these guys, okay? I remember Deshaun Hand making a big play to sack Watson in the fourth quarter of last year's game. Well, Dave, if we counted where Deshaun Hand was in the rotation last year, he was the 12th or 13th guy. Right. And this year, we only ran out there with uh, six defensive linemen, and Josh Frazier only played a couple plays. So we pretty much played the whole game with five defensive linemen, and last year we ran 12 or 13. Right. That's a big That's a big difference. Well, it um, is a big difference. And, and you know, I, I like – sort of the breakdown there of, of their strategy and and they and they really got a chance to sort of double down on that because Mike Williams was a little dinged early in the game and wasn't able to uh, uh to contribute and so it was later in the game when when he felt better that he's going out there and so all of a sudden here's your best receiver perhaps and one of the best fresh. receivers in a, and he's fresh going up yep. against uh, a secondary that's uh that's that's certainly winded so you know their strategy sort of doubled up on them didn't it no, it did, and we talked on the offensive side of the ball about the whole number of plays, et cetera. I think that factored into it. I think the defense cannot be held accountable for this. The defense did their part in the fourth quarter when they got that stop and got the ball back to their offense at the 40-yard line with nine minutes left in the game. Yep, They had done their job. Now, let me say that the pass interference calls in this game were horrendous. Clemson finished the game with three penalties. Alabama finished the game with almost 100 yards of penalties in this ballgame. Well, the big pass interference on Marlon Humphrey on um, that fourth quarter drive, and I shared this with you offline, the the back judge who ran, who was right there in front of Marlon Humphrey and Mike Williams as they came down, who is supposed to make that play, he's supposed to throw the flag if there's a flag to be thrown, He's sitting there calling incomplete. Right. And the line judge who's 35 yards upfield is throwing the flag for pass interference. Now, no offense to Kirk Herbstreet, who I like. Um, they're sitting there talking about, oh, he's got his arm around him. He had his arm up on his shoulder pad, but he wasn't engaging. Like he he wasn't okay. It should have been a non-call. It's the right. national championship game. There wasn't anything that should have been call worthy. And the fact that the official two yards from where you're falling on the ground is calling it incomplete, the guy up the field 30 yards shouldn't have been throwing the flag. Yeah, I think, you know, and, and you know, I appreciate his his vision of the play and, and what he's seen. But, 
you know, the guy that that's much closer, you know, closer, they should have had an opportunity to to sort of talk that out and say, yeah, I saw what you saw, but it wasn't as egregious as you thought, you know, from 30 yards or 30 yards away. You know, that was a suspect call. And I don't want to get into this, you know, sort of bashing the refs, you know, because they they lined up and they beat us. But uh, the the the, um, you know, the screen plays in um, or the pick plays in the end zone, those are a little frustrating, too. And uh, and I did read where, you know, uh, an official was was talking about that type of play. And they said if the and, and it makes me want to kind of go back and watch it again. And, and you've seen more of it maybe more recently. But um, <clears throat> if if there's a screen, if there's a, a, a pick action, if the wide receiver engages in engages with the receiver and so puts his arm out or tries to try to start to run through uh, or, or tries to, you know, push him away, uh, then then the owner, then then it's sort of the responsibility shifts back to uh, shifts to the uh, defender. And, and I'm probably sort of butchering the explanation, but it's, it's almost like it's almost like the, re, the receiver who's who's performing the pick almost has to sort of blindside and trip the defender. The rule, I think, is set up for the, for, you know, for the offense. Uh, it's almost like the, the, the pick receiver has to trip or sort of blindside uh, the defensive back for it to actually be called. And so by, by the, the letter of that explanation, then probably those shouldn't have been called. But just looking at them to the, to the naked eye, it, it, you know, and especially the first one, the first one more so than the second one. But, but you know, that was a pick, and and you know, unfortunately, it wasn't called. Probably should have been. And again, I'm not trying to blame this on the officials. Uh, you know, that one play didn't necessarily you know lose us the game. But um, you know, it's the kind of thing you'd like to see. You'd like to see that called. Uh, I know we were sometimes we'll run pick action. Um, Never I've, anything like that. I've not seen anything you know quite so egregious, and you know, I'm sure you know, we could look up film and, and, you know, I might be proven wrong there, but I, you know, certainly nothing that jumps out to me quite like that. Well, this is the beauty of this podcast. And this is a beauty of me not being a coach for real. And the sec cannot find me because <laughs> you are way nicer than I am. Political correctness is dead. I don't believe in it. I never have. Did the officials cost us the game? No, we've talked about several things of what contributed. Did the, were the officials horrible? Yes, in my opinion, the officials were horrible, and they made several calls that were poor calls that should not have been called that affected the momentum in the fourth quarter specifically. So, yes, um, though the, the first pick play was even more egregious than the second play because not only did he knock down Marlon Humphrey, but he also took out Minka on the play so he knocked two guys down on the same play, the tight end. Right. And then he had the audacity to hold his little stupid arms up at the very last play after the two Bama guys are on the ground. And what's funny to me, where was the damn line judge who threw the pass interference 30 yards down the play? Where was he at on that play? I guess, right. his, I guess his handkerchief was super glued to his back <laughs> pants. Okay. Right. So, officials, if y'all are listening to the podcast, which I know you aren't, please find me uh, because you can't. So, go ahead. Find me a way. I don't really give a crap. 
<laughs> I don't know what any of that means. You know what? It made me feel better because they did a shitty job. Okay? There it is. There it is, folks. And so, Earmuffs. I, and so I will say um, the one critique I do want to give of the defensive staff is we talked about, and we should have led the podcast with this, we forgot about the podcast gold. And the podcast gold was their little – white boy receiver who was a true freshman last year who caught two touchdowns, Mr. Hunter Renfro yeah. in the first quarter against Mika Fitzpatrick that nobody knew to expect. So this year, you know, Mika is licking his chops to get a rematch with Mr. Renfro. Okay. If he thought about it weeks ago, but then poor Eddie Jackson goes down, which we missed him in this game. And I'll talk about that in a second. So, unfortunately, I think had Minka been able to line up on number 13, it would have been a different ball game. I went back, David, and watched the plays of Tony Brown and Hunter Renfro. There was three or four times that Tony Brown lined up about eight yards off of Hunter Renfro, and at the snap, he backpedaled. Hunter Renfro just went about three yards, turned around, and Deshaun Watson threw him the ball for a critical first down. Dude, I could have covered. No, look, Tony Brown has made great strides. Okay. But are, correct me if I'm wrong. Aren't we allowed to knock the crap out of them in the first five yards? Yeah. It, no, okay. we are. And no, we are. Not, hold on. Let me, let me finish. I'm going to roll for a second. So Hunter Renfro is all of 170 pounds because I looked him up. And so if I was Alabama with my five star Tony Brown, I would have lined Tony Brown up right on his face the whole game. And I would have knocked the mess out of him off the line of scrimmage. And after I'd hit him about 40 times, he would start feeling it. I would have made his life miserable. I'm done now. Okay. No, that's an interesting rant. Uh, Tommy, the crazed guy today. Uh, I like it. Um, no, I, you make a good point, and we did talk about this as, as we were watching the game, and I do I do want to underscore it. You know, Renfro certainly had a big game. I think you really, really lie. I think you have a crush on Renfro because he is one of your favorite players to talk about, which which is uh, – No, dude, I'm just saying they they, they played too soft on him. No, no, Andrew, I, be more look, physical with him. I understand. I'm having fun too. Um, I, I But you do make – just you know, it, within all of that, you do make a really good point, and that's that um, – you know, Minka covered him last year, and and you know, Minka was very frustrated with you know some of the the struggles that he had, and he would have been very adept at uh, at at sort of the keys and the cues, and uh, and and would have I think handled Renfro a lot better. But he was forced out of the star position, you know, when when Eddie went down, and so Tony was brought in, and so it's almost like Tony had to learn for the first time too. And so that's a little bit frustrating because I because I agree if Mika had been in that position, then I think the matchup would have would have been a little more favorable uh, for Alabama. Plus, it would have given us another cornerback, uh, you know, for depth, uh, you know, on the roster. I think our dime back would have been better. I would have liked, you know, Tony at the dime, you know, better than Hootie, and so all of that stuff. And so, you know, we, we don't have to get into all that, but but um, yeah, I, I think that's that's I think that's a great point and. And, uh, you know, they had four really long drives. They had four drives of 68 yards or better, uh, you know, scoring drives. And, uh, and again, that just speaks to the depth sort of wearing out, 
and the 99 plays and just the fatigue of, no, it does. of the defense. No, it does. Real quick, I want to touch on something you just said about the depth thing is I didn't think in this game. I thought Ronnie Harrison and Rashawn Evans would be key players to shadow Deshaun Watson, okay? And I think that I think that they did uh, help out a lot with that. These guys couldn't run the ball real quick, man. I mean, their they're, they're running back, Gallman, averaged 2.6 yards a carry, and Deshaun Foster did an egregious, you know, or a horrible two yards a carry. And so it was, it was nothing to write home about. I mean, Deshaun Watson had 21 carries for 70, uh, excuse me, net of 43 yards, big deal. And so these guys couldn't run the ball. And so I think that Hootie Jones being in the game when we went to the dime, he's a safety. He's not a cornerback. And we talked about Eddie Jackson getting moved over to safety years ago and him being a cornerback and having five cornerbacks on the field. Dave, you need five cornerbacks on the field against a team like that. And and so if Eddie Jackson would have been in the back instead of Hootie Jones, I think he could have even given more help over the top, more of a center field perspective. No offense to Hootie because he's a because he's made he's made strides, but he's not Eddie Jackson. And I think that I think that Eddie Jackson's presence behind guys like Anthony yep. Averett to help for Mike Williams. And then you have Mika in there against Hunter. And then you have Tony Brown come in just eight or ten plays at the dime. I think it would have made an enormous difference. Yeah, I agree. I think it I, I think it definitely would. And and I you know, look, sort of an incumbent in, in all of this discussion is is uh, you know, Deshaun Watson. I mean, he is a phenomenal player. I mean, cover, you know sort of containing him is like, you know, trying to fold a fitted sheet or something. There's just, there's no leverage point to get on him. And so, you know, the fact that we sort of shut down their running game, well, guess that's what that, that's what we've done to teams all season long. And then when, when forced to pass, uh, you know, we're able to make plays on the quarterback is and and, you know, we got some sacks, but we didn't impact him, affect him like we have uh, other quarterbacks. And it's also sort of in those moments in the game when the defense comes up with a big turnover and there was no big turnover. How many of these drives as they started to sort of march down, you know, did you think we're about to get a turnover? We're about to get a turnover because guess what? We've been trained to, to expect that over the course of the season. Well, and they, they lost two fumbles. I mean, Clemson lost two and, and that's about all you can expect. I mean, right. I expected him to get an interception because he's thrown a lot of interceptions this year. Yeah. But we, we did get two, right? You know, I mean, yeah. And, and so, you know, yeah. And you're right. I, I'm thinking just the interception is as many times, you know, you, tr- you take, you know, taking away the run, they have to pass and you think they're going to put the ball up and we're going to get one of these. Cause we've gotten so many. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and it just, you know, frustratingly, it didn't happen. Uh, there were times where I was thinking, this this is where we get the defensive score. Uh, at least this is where we get the turnover that sort of puts us in position. And, uh, and and in so many of those times, especially late, you know, not only did we not get the turnover, but they went on and drove and, and scored. And so you think, man, a turnover takes seven off the off the uh, uh, the score. If if we just get a turnover and kick a field goal, that's a ten point swing. And you know, in the, in a, in this game, that's four points. You know, I'll take one of those. I'll take a ten point swing, right? No, absolutely, man. And they showed the Clemson field goal kicker stats at the uh, end of that ball game, man. In his last three games, Dave, 
he was one of five field goals. Right. And so <laughs> you, you had to know if you're the Alabama coaching staff that they're not going for the tie there. You had to right. know that they were going to try to score a touchdown there. No, that's true. Uh, give me a give me a, a mini game ball on defense, man. Um, you know it it it. it I'm not going to play into the theme of the mini game ball on this one. You know, you're you had your you know you had your um no, go for your it. bon voyage. So I'm going to have the same thing. Uh, mine's going to go to Ryan Anderson. Okay. Um, I I you know obviously he's not mini game ball worthy. Um, just like um, uh, just like our Darius Stewart, but Ryan Anderson at the beginning of the season, you know, we talked about a difference maker that he was going to bring to this defense and all the things he's done, and he did it again tonight. Uh, you know, forcing a fumble as well and, and picking up a fumble, and um, just you know, we're going to miss the guy. And next year's team, while there's a lot of good depth on this, you know, a lot of good new young players on this team. Um, we don't we don't have three or four stud juniors who are not going pro coming back next year for their fifth years, and uh, we're going to miss Ryan Anderson. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he he is he has been a favorite, you know, this season, and uh, just watching him in interviews and his personality, he is a fun guy to watch, and and I look forward to him having success in the NFL. You know, it, it's like you're over my shoulder again because I've got two guys that I wanted to try to squeeze in both of them and, and you picked off one of them. So, so I'm glad, um, you know, nods to uh, Ryan Anderson. And uh, as I'm sitting here thinking, um, you know, I'm, I'm going Dalvin Tomlinson and this might be the third time that he's gotten uh, a mini game ball from me this season. I just like his steady contribution. Uh, he's not a stat sheet kind of guy. Uh, he did have four tackles and, and one for a loss. But he's just a steady sort of plugger kind of guy. Um, he, he's, he's sort of just the grit on on a team like this. And uh, he's a guy, uh, he, you know, again, one of those guys, right? He's one of those guys that we're going to miss, uh, you know, next season. And I like having Deron Payne. And, and, but who else do we have on the defensive front that we know that we feel really good about? Uh, this defense, <laughs> we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the defense uh, in the off season and, uh, and, and next year, because there's a lot of guys that are going to have to step up. And in some regards, that's going to be fun, but you know, we're going to need the offense to kind of step up next year too. And so that's going to be a lot of, a lot of fun to talk about, but you know, anyways, that's another topic, but uh, Dalvin's the guy that I'm, that I'm going with. Uh, he, he, he's a cat that we're going to miss next season. No, absolutely, man. Davey, um, let's flip the, let's talk some special teams here. Um, your boy J.K. Scott, unfortunately, um, you know, let's let's start with the positives. He he was asked to to kick ten balls today uh, in the ball game. Um, that that's probably what he normally does in two games. Um, when all was said and done, is ten kicks, averaging forty six yards, and and doing five inside the twenty. You know, I mean, what a stat line! He's got five inside the twenty, and he's got five of over fifty yards on his ten. And um, unfortunately, you can't, you know, a punter can't have too many. You don't want him to have too many chances because as great as that stat line is, he had a uh, he had a big short punt in this ball game that I don't hold against the guy. He's a great punter, but we had a had a short punt at a really inopportune time, which allowed them to to do a a short forty one yard field and get a big touchdown. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, it was a you know. 
like you said, there were some good and bad. He had a 57, uh, you know, uh, yard punt. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I'm glad punters don't go pro early, uh, you know, uh, right. I, you know, I look forward to having him back. He's a phenomenal, you know, leg. I enjoy watching him. Um, he did have a stinker or two and, you know, when you kick 10 times, you're going to, um, and, uh, you know, like you said, it was inopportune. We didn't, we did not need that at the time. Um, you know, Adam, uh, got him a field goal, 27 yarder. I'm glad that, you know, he got a chance to line up and, and make a kick uh, for a little bit. The score that I predicted was was spot on. And I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to get this anyways with an Adam kick. And, and then sort of that didn't materialize. And um, what's the big thing that we saw? What's the big thing that we saw that uh, it only happened once because, you know, they only punted once. But uh, what's the big thing that, uh, you know, that we saw that we had talked about last week? Yeah, so um, you know, I was surprised that we saw uh, we saw Mr. Dieter out there. We did not see any Mr. Diggs out there, man. Did that did that surprise you? Yes and no, right? Because the way we talked about it last week, we talked about you know why didn't why wasn't someone else put in there, and then who would it be? Would it be R. Darius? Would it be Xavier Marks? You know, who would it be? And then it's just like, well, of course, I could have had a V eight. It's Garrick Dieter that's going to line out there and and fill the punts. Why wouldn't it be? Uh, and then it just makes you think, well, why wasn't it, you know, last time? Uh, and so he only had one opportunity, so he didn't, you know, have you know, a chance to really sort of, you know, firework it up. But, but uh, you know, the kid's got good hands. He's been maybe underutilized this season. And so uh, you think, well, you know, maybe he could have gotten a chance earlier. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was funny to see because we had just so much talked about that, you know, the last two weeks, the last two games. And, uh, and then there we go have uh, Garrick out there. So. That, I, I just got to, and I know you did too, but uh, I, I just got a kick out of that. No, absolutely. Well, let's let's talk real quick on special teams because I think this was equally shocking to me. Um, when we when we kicked the ball off, uh, we consistently kicked the ball short. Yes. Um, you know, Adam had had numerous kickoffs that that were fielded um, in the ten yard line area. And and I and I point this out because in that fourth quarter, when we scored what we thought was the game-winning drive, uh, we kicked the ball off short yet again. And unfortunately, uh, the freshman Thompson does not stay in his lane. He tries to run around a block instead of running through a block beside Mac Wilson in the middle of the line, and he runs into Mac Wilson and keeps Mac Wilson from tackling the returner at the 17-yard line. And had Thompson stayed in his lane and done his job, Mac Wilson would have made the play, yep. and they would have started at the 18 instead of starting at the 32-yard line, um, which was a big difference in this ball game because as soon as they have a big pass to Mike Williams two plays later, they're now at our 39-yard line. So why do you think Adam Griffith – it had to be by design because, I mean, dude, he's been drilling the ball out of the back of the end zone, and we're Alabama, and we're like, get the ball at the 25, and we're going to make you drive down the field. What What do you think these short kicks were about? I don't have – you know, I'm just going to theorize. I don't, I don't have a real strong answer, and I've not really studied up on, you know, the Clemson special teams and, you know, the skill – maybe skill set of their receivers and, and return men. But – um 
And they did the same thing to us. They short punted to us, uh, you know, you know, the oh, tight end. Oh, yeah, their kickoffs were like to our 30, which is yeah. even worse. It, it was yeah. ridiculous. And and we kidded about, you know, do they still think Kenyon Drake is back there? Uh, you know, because he's not. Uh, but you know, not gonna argue with the field position that they that they gave us. I I don't know if were we afraid of a return man on their side? I don't know because I've not studied their personnel. Um, did we think that if we if we kick them short, that uh, we trust our coverage teams enough to get down there and make a big play and pin them inside the fifteen? Because wasn't that a heck of a lot of fun pinning them back uh, the whole game against Washington? I think it was something along those lines. I think we were going for pinning them back and making them have to drive the field. And again, did we overthink it? Yeah, probably we over. Yeah, see, I think that's gambling, right? I'd rather just kick it out of the back of the end zone and get it on the 25 instead of rolling the dice in the national championship game. I think that's absolutely overthinking that. I I think we were looking for that uh, because we got it against Washington, and I don't know if we got it against Washington sort of by design or if it just kind of happened that way. Sometimes it just feels like it happens that way. You flip the field and and you can kind of sort of own the field. And 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 against Washington, their offense never really got rolling. So um, so it just sort of worked out that way. I think we were pressing to try to back them to back up Clemson. And 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 because we were pressing, uh, I think it just got away from us a couple times. And so they ended up with a little bit better yardage. Um, you know, for my game, you know, f- for me, kickoffs are the easiest, dumbest thing. Kick it out of the end zone when you can kick it. And when you're receiving it, don't return it. I would be the most boring special teams coach in the world. I just kick the hell out of the ball and don't run it. And just down the ball. Yes. 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 I'm going to put you on the 25 every time, and I'm going to start on the 25 every time. And so well, that's why they've talked about doing re- getting rid of the kickoffs. <laughs> you would be okay with that, right? Because just put the no. Ball. And, and see what's like, ironic. Like, no, like our a day game, right? We just would not have those, and we just would start off at the 25 yard line every time. And it's and it's it, you know, may maybe maybe I need to think about that. Maybe I need to because I'm not against having them in the game. I would just treat them very simplistically. Oh no! Other people want them out of the game because of the contact. Yeah, and, all, and blah, I understand blah, 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 that too. Blah. I understand that too. Your idea is so, for a whole different so, reason, but so if yes. I were if I were a coach and and I did that, the media would assume that that's where my mindset was because they want to fill in sort of their narrative. Uh, I would just I would just say no. I'm just I'm going to take the smart sort of decision and let that sort of net out for me. Uh, no, you would out. need to tell the reporter the reporters. I have analyzed this to death, and trust me, the best strategy is just to not return the ball. Yes. I don't like my return. Yeah. I don't like my return men getting negative yards. <laughs> well, maybe in our lifetime, we'll actually see negative yards reported on that. You know, that would be yes. a great thing. That'd be awesome. All right. Hey, so I'm, look, go I'm, ahead. look, this is a trick question. Everyone's oh, sort man. of putting it out. Uh, everyone's sort of putting it out there. Wow. Um, can't do this to me at the end of talking I, about I am, a I am. loss. Okay. Look, at, look, I'm being nice. I've already watched the damn tape again to go over this. This has been brutal enough. All right, what's your question? I Look, I, I've warned you this is a trick. And by the way, guys, we must love the hell out of Alabama football to watch this crap and talk about this crap again for an hour and 15 minutes. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yes. I've warned you it's a trick question. Uh, so, so, I'm, so I am playing nice. 
Um, look, I've seen, you know, maybe a dozen articles written to this effect. And so I'm just going to ask, is the, is the dynasty over? <laughs> Isn't that such the media? I love that, man. I love that question. You know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have fun with that. Yes, the dynasty is over. <laughs> it is now over. Saban is currently taking um, – he's having interviews lined up next week if various NFL teams, and he will be gone to one pro team in the next month. <clears throat> Dude, that's such a bunch of crap. But, that you know, the dynasty was over a few years ago, man. And so the only good thing that came from this is that, A, we have 16 national titles. You and I have gone to five in our life. We've seen, excuse me, five victories in our lifetime. Okay. Not in our lifetime, but just we're not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We've seen five. We've seen five in our adult lives. Excuse me. We've yes. seen six. There's been six in our adult lives and we've won five of them. Yes. Which most people in their lifetimes will not be able to say that. And everybody was tired of Alabama kicking their butt. And so the only good, the only good that has come from this is hopefully that this will motivate Saban and his coaches and the players like it did in 09. Or excuse me, like it, yeah, like it did in like it did in, in 10 whenever they had that season yep. to come back like they did after the 2010 season. The only good that will come from this is this laser focus of, you know, we have to – this is why Saban says play every play as if it has a mind of its own because you were you were 14 and freaking O and you were winning with one second left in the game and you lost. Now, Deshaun Watson and Clemson fans, because I know y'all were listening and y'all listen to us all the time, it's going to be another long time before you win another one. Is it going to be 35 years? No. But Deshaun Watson's gone. Okay, and you saw what happened to Auburn when Cam Newton left. So it's going to be a while before y'all get another one. We're going to get another one before you get another one. But I hope that this this um, refocuses the team in the off season. Yeah, see, I, I look at it. I look at it this way, right? In two thousand and eight, uh, and you know, kind of check my narrative here if I if I'm off just a little bit. But I'm doing this off the cuff. I, didn't, I haven't researched this. Uh, but in two thousand eight, we lost to Florida in or Alabama lost to Florida in the SEC championship game. And that loss sort of inspired the 2009 team that went on and won the national title. The 2010 team. They made Tim Tebow cry, by the way. Yes, yes. The 2010 game, our 2010 team, I still think is one of the more talented teams, you know, sort of, especially at the skill set positions that, uh, that you know, that Saban has had. And that team went out and, and grossly underperformed. Uh, that set the scene for – what is it? Two consecutive national titles. Yes. The the fourteen season when we lost to. Um, First, you got to think about the thirteen. Well, I guess we shouldn't talk about. Yeah, that. I don't want to think about that one. Okay, but, so, so the, I'm, th- I'm thinking fourteen. The fourteen I'm, Ohio State. Yeah, yes. the fourteen Ohio State, and then you know fifteen rebound to uh, you know to to win the title, and so you know, and then you know. If you want to throw in a Texas A&M in-season loss, and you want to throw in the the two Ole Miss in-season losses, um, you know those seasons national titles were run were won in uh, in certainly most of those seasons. So and so every time that there's been a loss under Saban, there's been a rebound, and so uh, you know everyone wants to predict the end 
of the dynasty, it's so much more. It's like it's like you know a hot table and craps, right? Why would you want to bet negative on a hot table? You wouldn't. Why would? Why is not it not the safer bet? The why is not the media huddled around and wanting to predict Alabama is going to be back after this? Because look at their history of coming back after losses. Isn't that? isn't that a better, more obvious story? I don't understand the media sort of taking it the way they do. The more obvious story is, oh, they'll be back. This is the same re- this is the same media that asks the stupid questions in Saban every week on Monday. Right. Right? And so it's easier. this is an easier narrative, right? And they're, they're not going to go out on a limb, and they want their prophecy to come true. They want it to be the end of Alabama football because they're tired of Alabama's dominance and they're tired of Alabama kicking everybody's tail. Right. That's really what it's more about right now. I mean, the reason the dumb Auburn fans rolled uh, to corner is because everybody's just tired of Alabama winning, man. Right. Well, get it out of your system because it ain't over yet. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's what I got to say. And man, I look forward to, uh, you know, we're going to sort of, get rid of this uh, funky taste in our mouth. And, uh, you know, we're going to come back. Recruiting is just uh, – is, is really going to light it up. I look forward to coming back in a couple of weeks and doing a recruiting show. We somehow got to schedule, uh, you know, something around the draft, something around A-Day. And I know schedules, uh, you know, are kind of tough. But, uh, you know, we we'll have to put together some shows around that. I like coming back sort of in a slower time, if you will, uh, non-season time and kind of putting out some thoughts and and putting out some podcasts. We'll certainly have to have to do that. Uh, does that sound like a plan? Absolutely, man. The counter says ninety-nine days, thirty-seven minutes, and fifty-two seconds till Alabama plays Alabama. Right. Yes. So yes. Uh, it'll be here before we know it, man. It That's really will. When away. I saw when I saw that countdown, I was like, oh my gosh, we're already kind of on the clock. Uh, it's kind of a fun way of, of looking at it. And so, uh, so, guys, y'all will hear from us in the next month before uh, before signing day or around signing day in the next month, and uh, we look forward to doing another one for you. Absolutely. Hey, I, I, I just want to jump in. We enjoy you guys listening. We enjoy the downloads. We enjoy the comments. We enjoy the interaction. And uh, I just want to make a special request. Man, if you have hung in at the end of this show, <laughs> we know you're a fan, and we really appreciate it. And uh, we really, really would uh, appreciate if you hit us up on uh, on iTunes and give us a review. We're sitting right at it, 81 uh, reviews uh, on iTunes right now, and we'd really appreciate uh, a push to get up uh, up closer to 100. So if you are still listening now, you are like the chart. You're you like get a mini. Listener. You get a mini game ball. That's right. You get the mini game ball. That's right. So uh, hit us up on the on the iTunes. Leave us a review. Uh, so we'll know who to call out uh, for our fan mini game balls uh, in, uh, in an upcoming episode. So um, that's our marketing pitch, right? All right. Absolutely. Hey, thanks, everyone. This has been a phenomenal season. We appreciate you listening along. Uh, and this also has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. 
check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.